Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Matt and this is Journey to Freedom podcast. This show is all about traveling, financial freedom, success stories and so much more. In this podcast, I talk with a diverse community of people about their stories from around the world and my own life experiences with traveling and finance. Join me to my weekly series to learn more. Hey everyone, I'm extremely excited to have you back for my second part of the Fundamentals of Financial Independence. For those who haven't listened to the first part, make sure to check it out the last episode so you can be up to date with the topic that I'll be talking about today. So what did we discuss in the first part? Well, I shared with you some of my personal history with managing finances. We defined what financial independence, FI, is. We talked about the latte factor, the importance of saving over 40 to 50% of your income, and of course, an overall value of things that you buy on a weekly basis. But if there was one thing that I want you to take away from that episode in particular would be just one word, mindset. You have to have the right mindset in order to pursue FI, because without a vision, without a goal, without a feasible plan and persistence, and especially a right mentality, you will not be able to be financially independent in the next 10 to 15 years. And if you skipped last week's episode and would like to get show notes from them, head out to my Patreon account where you can find exactly that as well as my budgeting and investing spreadsheets. You can also find a lot of exclusive content that I share with you and you can also connect with me on -on one-on-one basis. So let's dive into this week's topic because there's a lot to cover. And let me tell you a little bit about the structure of today's episode so you have a little bit better understanding of the flow. When it comes to the structure of reaching financial independence, you really have to follow a very particular path in order to be successful. You really need to understand the basics in order to master some of the more advanced topics that at first place might sound very complicated or pretty much unclear. Because if you don't know much about, let's say, investing, and I start talking about how high-quality REITs and dividend aristocrats have a potential to produce an attractive dividend income over time, you would have absolutely no idea what that exactly means, right? So this is why before you start thinking about Things like how to invest or use credit cards to your advantage, of course, or even simply start saving money. You really need to get back to the basics. That's why we'll start talking about how to cut down your expenses, how to make smart budgeting moves. Then we'll talk about how to eliminate debt. Then I'll cover a little bit more information on how to start saving and taking advantage of saving accounts. And only at that point, I will elaborate a little bit more about more advanced things such as travel rewards, car and transportation hacking tips, and lastly, some basic information of smart investing. So let's begin with the most important factor that will put you on the right path, which is cutting down your expenses. And I know that I have covered some of it in my previous episode by explaining the latte factor and how that can save you thousands of dollars over the period of months, but there's definitely more to this than just that. 
So there are two main reasons why you should focus on this at first place. Well, first of all, it really allows you for a higher saving rate. Just remember, every single dollar you spent is a dollar you can invest. And secondly, by lowering the yearly expenses, the amount you'll need in your financial independence, you'll it'll be definitely significantly lower. And of course, I'm not talking that you have to lower down all the expenses on the upcoming list, but look at your own lifestyle and think about the ones that make the most sense in your life and the ones that can be reduced as soon as possible. Number one is eating out. So, how much money per month do you think you spend on restaurants, on fast food, coffee, on smoothies? There's a lot of potential right here. And if you can cut back on your expensive restaurant visits and you start planning your meals, you start making lunch for work, and even better, you actually learn how to cook and start making meals at home, it really can save you a lot of money. I mean, I personally cook almost every single day and spend 15 to $20 at most for eating out. Number two is subscriptions and memberships. And yes, I know that many people, including probably you, have Spotify, Netflix, HBO, Disney+, any, any one of those. But do you actually use, use it often enough that you could say that it's actually worth it? Or do you go to work or you hang out with your friends and you watch your Netflix series once or twice a month? Just think about it. And if you believe that it's still worth it, well, it's fine. But maybe just consider having a family plan. This way it can save you in the long run. And what about memberships? Well, if you have that gym membership that you barely use, consider canceling it or at least start looking into other gyms around you to find out if maybe they are cheaper or might offer a better sign-up deals than your current one. Number three entertainment. Well, I know we're all guilty of it. You go to the movies, you buy your ticket, and then you decide to get that overpriced and super unhealthy popcorn with Coca-Cola for another $12. Well, so right now, instead of spending $8 to $10 on your movies, you just ended up spending another $20 on something that you should have easily saved on. Going out and blowing a small fortune on bowling during peak hours or expensive drinks and food is really not smart, but it can really set you back financially. Number four, clothing and grooming. Well, people tend to spend hundreds of dollars on their shirts, shoes, jackets, you name it. Well, I'll tell you this. When I was younger, I would save all my pocket money for months and then head out to Abercrombie and Fitch and spend all of it and find out about the best things for me. So look at the things that are new rival or new collection. And now that I look back on it, I just know I would never do it again. I have learned over the past few years to look for online sales, to look for seasonal deals. And I think most importantly, not to buy things that I really don't need. I mean, is it really necessary for you to have 15 pairs of shoes or 40 different t-shirts that most of the time will probably hang in your closet. Be smart. Be smart when buying clothes and just reduce it to minimum. Also, when it comes to grooming, well, I currently pay $20 for a haircut and I know some people pay even less than that. 
is it really worth getting that 40 to $50 haircut once a month? Um, I'm sure the things get, get really more expensive for girls, but maybe it's time to look into another place that will save you a few dollars here and there. Just remember, the easiest dollar saved is the dollar that you did not spend. Number five, gadgets. And I feel like, you know, ever since Apple came out with the new iPhone, people tend to upgrade to their newest phone almost every year. Look on how much money you are blowing on your new phone, your tablet. I mean, I have recently upgraded my iPhone after five years. And it really took me weeks of research whether I really need it and if it's worth for me. Well, the thing is, I take plenty of photos, so getting a new one for me was something on my to-do list for a very long time. What I did was I actually opened a new credit card line. I received a $200 sign-up bonus. I also used 1.5% cashback on the purchase and ended up saving over $230 on the purchase. Well, was it worth it for me? Was it worth the value? Well, for me, it was definitely yes. But I think many times people spend an absurd amount of money on gadgets that they either don't need, they're currently trending, or they can really be bought for so much cheaper elsewhere. So my tip right here is to do your research and see if you can save money somewhere else. Tip number six, monthly bills. And this is another major category. We're talking about home insurance, auto insurance, life insurance, cable and electricity bill, and of course, cell phone bill. I think this category, honestly, itself should have its own episode because each one of them are many times on, quote unquote, on autopilot. You know, once you get that auto insurance or phone plan, you just forget about it. And just once a month, your money will be taken from your bank account. And if you do not pay enough attention to what is really happening in your checking account, you will not even think about reducing that monthly cost. And here's what I do. Well, every six to eight months, I look into new deals on a cheaper car insurance. I sit down at least once a year and see where I can save money. I used to pay over $140 a month for car insurance, where else right now I'm actually paying a little bit less than $90. If you do the math, this is over 35% of saving right here. And besides car, people also tend to stick with Verizon, with AT&T, or other major phone carriers. I currently pay $30 a month for unlimited everything with Mint Mobile. So see what you can save. Do your research. Make sure you browse online before signing up. Eating out, subscriptions, membership, entertainment, all of those are very important groups where you can save a lot of money. But there are plenty and plenty of other categories that are extremely important as well, such as transportation, credit card fees, gifts, vacations, wedding, and of course traveling. And I could go on and on on how you can save on each category, but I think the main takeaway from cutting down your expenses is really doing your research ahead of purchase and asking yourself, does this really bring me a good value? And if it doesn't, well, save that extra few dollars and learn how to invest 
to be one step closer to achieving financial independence. So now that you have a little bit better understanding on lowering your monthly expenses, you really need to get to your budgeting game right. Because in order to identify the areas in your life in which you're probably overspending, you have to have the right track of your income and expenses over time. And I know, budgeting might really not sound too much of a fun. It might sound actually tedious and boring, but it really has some great benefits. First of all, you can regain your control over your financials. You can track your spendings and savings, and it'll definitely give you a confidence. So what is the basic rule of budgeting? Well, the basic rule is that you pretty much don't spend more than you make. And I know it sounds very simple, but it really is. Well, let's just say your income is $3,000 a month and you deduct 10% out of it, which is $300, and you automatically put it into your saving accounts. So after deducting your savings, you should not be spending more than $2,700 in any given months. Sounds simple, I know. But if I were to ask you a question, how much money exactly did you spend on groceries two months ago? Would you be able to tell me the exact number? Or what about insurance or transportation? Well, if you don't really know the answer, you really should start budgeting. Because the better you're aware of your spending habits, the better chances of success you will have in the long term. So how do you exactly budget? Well, there are actually two schools of thought. First one is automatic budgeting, and another one is manual one. I personally prefer the second method, where I have my own spreadsheet, where every single time I receive a paycheck, I deduct the money from my credit cards and put the rest into savings and investing accounts. The first method, though, is for those who really want to track their money, but they want it to be more automated. And some of the best apps that actually they can track all your spendings are Mint, Acorn, Chime, and Every Dollar. But if you're like me and like to take a full advantage of your financials, you can actually get my personal budgeting and investing spreadsheet on my Patreon account. It's a place where I share my personal advice, episode notes, and other exclusive content from this podcast. You can also find my recommended budget allocation and five other budgeting tips right over there. So just head out to this episode description and look for a link to Patreon. So right now that you have became a master of lowering your expenses and tackling down your budget, which is great, but what happens if, let's just say you have a credit card or card debt. Well, how can you eliminate it before you actually start your journey towards financial independence? First thing you should do is to figure out how much you owe. So you should really write it down on a piece of paper or create an Excel spreadsheet to have it clearly in front of you. Well, next thing is to find out a way of paying off the debt. And there are two very common ways of doing that. They're also known as debt avalanche or debt snowball. The first one, debt avalanche, is 
a way of ranking your debt from the highest interest rate to the lowest. You have to make sure that the debt with the highest interest rate is at the top of your sheet of paper and then just rank it down in a descending order. This way, it will get rid of your most expensive accounts first, thus saving the most interest over time. Well, let's just assume that, for example, you owe $3,000 on each of your three credit cards and that you pay 15% interest rate on each of them. And then also on top of that, you owe $30,000 on your mortgage at 3.5%. So instead of paying off the largest debt first, you can focus on the highest interest rate first. In this case, credit cards. And another way that you can pay off your debt is what is called a debt snowball. This is a method where you pay off the account with the smallest balance first. This way, it will give you a little bit of a good place to start and you will start to feel and see the progress much faster. At this point, you should choose the strategy that fits you best. But the most important part is to stay motivated and keep paying down that debt. My extra tips with that would be also to pay more than your minimum balance. You also want to make sure you put any extra cash on hands towards that debt repayment. You should consider consolidating your debt. And lastly, always create a budget. This will really help you tremendously. Now, let's talk about saving, which is another extremely important aspect of your journey to FI. As I have mentioned in my previous episode, you have to have the right mindset over many years ahead and save as much as possible. And I mean, yes, it's great that you save 10 to 15% of your income, but by now you should know that 10 to 15% is really not enough. With all the previously mentioned steps, you really should be able to increase your saving rate to 40 or 50 or even 60% if possible. Well, your first step, if you haven't done this already, should be opening a high yield saving accounts. This is a type of federally insured saving product which earns rates that are much better than a national average. So what I mean by that is before coronavirus, you'd be able to find some of the high yield saving accounts with three or even 3.5 annual percentage yields. But things have significantly changed. And right now with online banks and credit unions, they offer rates as high as 0.40%. And I know that probably does not sound very encouraging and not too much, but if you compare it to the national saving average of 0.07%, it really is a massive difference. So how does it exactly work? Well, let's assume that you continuously add $400 every month and one day you will have $10,000 in your saving account that earns 0.40% APY. Well, after one year of having that $10,000, you would earn a little bit under $40. It definitely won't make you rich, but I think it's better than having your money sitting in a saving account that, let's just say, 
has 0.05%, which would probably give you less than $4. And if you would like to find out more about saving accounts, which one currently is the best one to consider, head out to my Patreon account. I'm going to be sharing a lot of information with you and a link to a page where you can read more about it. But besides your typical saving account, your primary focus after receiving your paycheck should really be your employer's 401k, which is known as retirement account or IRA account, which is individual retirement account. And I know this sounds very boring right now, especially for people that are in your 20s or 30s thinking about your retirement, but I've been thinking about it for the past few years right now. And if you want to know a little bit more about 401k or IRA accounts, I will go more in depth about them if you like me to in the future episodes. But just for now on, um, if you have a chance of opening 401k with your employer, you really should do it as soon as possible. So in a nutshell, what is 401k? Well, 401k is a plan that is funded by a pre-tax paycheck deductions. And what does that mean is that you do not pay any income tax on the money you put into the plan or on any returns it earns for you over the next years. So you don't pay nothing until you take out the money. It's pretty simple and many times automatic, but most importantly, it's free. And I know there is a big misconception where people really assume that if the company offers you for 1K, you are automatically included in it. And this is really not true. You really need to sign up. You need to find out if your company offers it and if you're already into it. But let's say that you're not eligible for 401k or 403b through your employers, or let's just say you're already contributing to it. Your next step should be opening IRA which I mentioned before, which is individual retirement account. And opening IRA account is a very important step that you can use as a saving and retiring vehicle. Also, in a nutshell, there are two types of IRA. There's traditional IRA and Roth IRA. In the traditional IRA, all your contributions are made with pre-tax dollars and your investments in the account can grow tax-free until you withdraw your money. And on the other side, Roth IRA, it's an account where you pay your taxes upfront and you don't have to worry about being taxed once you withdraw them. For a year 2019, your total annual contribution to your traditional IRA and Roth IRA cannot be more than $6,000 if you're under age 50 or $7,000 if you're all above that. Also, in order to withdraw your money penalty-free, you have to be 59 and a half. So which retirement account is right for you? Well, it really depends on many factors. It depends on your age, it depends on your personal situation, it depends on your income, living expenses. So there's a lot of factors, but at bare minimum, make sure you regularly contribute to 401k and definitely max it out to your employer's match percentage. Just remember, your employer gives you free money 
that can be invested for decades. So 401k or IRA in the US are extremely important. So now that you have a little bit better understanding of the financial path and you know how to cut down your expenses and how to save, let's talk just a little bit about my favorite part of this whole journey and the idea why actually I decided to start this podcast. It's traveling and in particular using travel rewards to your benefits. I am sure you have heard before from your friends or social media that some people have accumulated so much miles or points where they're able to travel the world for free. They fly business class, they stay at fancy hotels, and they use credit cards to earn rewards. The whole idea of doing it is, quote-unquote, doing this for free, is known as travel hacking. The general idea is that you use your credit card's rewards with sign-up bonuses in order to cover your travel expenses. This is a very broad topic, like I said, and I'll probably be having a separate episode on travel hacking and credit cards later down the road. But here, I'd like to give you a little bit of the basics, some ideas and thoughts that you know, a path to financial independence is really not about life of deprivation. It's about saving money on the smart way and also benefiting from travel rewards. I hope you're still with me. And if you are, let's talk about travel rewards. But before I give you more information about travel rewards, I just want to let you know that this strategy is really not for everyone. I really know that all of us would love to travel around the world for free, but if you have a poor credit card rating, if you still live paycheck to paycheck, or you're about to apply for a large loan, you might want to skip this step and the next two concepts as well. So how does travel rewards work? Well, first, you have to find the right travel rewards card for you. You need to figure out if you would like to start earning points for hotels, miles for airfare, or maybe both. You have to understand what travel rewards are offered by different credit cards, and this will help you out to narrow down your search. Second thing is you have to look for credit card sign-up bonuses and understand the spending requirements. When you get approved for a certain credit card line, many times you will be eligible for what is called an intro bonus. For example, if you get the Chase Freedom Flex credit card and you spend $500 on purchases in the first three months, you will earn $200 back. That's free $200. You gotta make sure you use that card exclusively until you reach that $500 requirement. But of course, you got to make sure you do not overspend on things that you really do not need. You got to keep buying and paying for things that you would normally do. And the next step you have to do is you got to stay up to date and use the right credit card for your purchase. Because once you receive your intro bonus, whether that is cash or airfare points, you got to keep looking for more credit cards that offer you great benefits. You also want to make sure you do not open a new credit card more than six months and you pay your balance in full. And 
Lastly, you gotta make sure you understand how this strategy can affect your credit score. Because when you open a new credit line, the company offering the credit card does a what is called a hard pull on your credit score. So opening too many credit cards too often will definitely negatively impact your credit score. So just make sure you do it wisely. And I'll be talking much more about credit cards and travel hacking in the future episodes. So just make sure you subscribe and follow along my journey. And one of the last things I want to address is what is called a car hacking or transportation hacking. And this is a major money saver, and especially in the US where most of us use car on a daily basis. Well, reducing or even eliminating the amount you drive will help you to reach FI much faster. One of the easiest ways to lower down your transportation costs is to fully get rid of your car. Well, sounds pretty obvious, I know. But living in a city, you can easily bike, walk, or take public transportation. Places like New York, Boston, or Chicago, they're all great for public transportation. On the other hand, if your workplace is really far away from where you live or public transportation isn't really the greatest in your city, having a car is a necessity. So how can you reduce that cost? Well, number one tip right here for me is not to buy a brand new car that will cost you thirty, forty. $50,000 and will depreciate in value the moment you leave the car dealer. I have always been a believer in buying a used car that you can fully afford. Well, I can tell you that I've always owned a car that was used, I bought for cash, and I sold it the moment I move out. And if you're planning on moving to a new place or just buying a commute car, you maybe should be considering a buying car such as Toyota Camry, Honda Civic, or Prius. Most of the times, these models will make it to 200,000 miles with the least amount of problems. But, of course, if you believe that these cars are not for you and want to get that new Tesla or BMW, well, the choice is yours because you gotta look at what brings you value. Remember, Everything that I'm saying right here, those are just my tips. Those are my recommendations on how you can save in the long term. But like I always say, you should always do research before your next big step. And another great tip that I have previously mentioned is to look into your car insurance policy as often as every six months. While many of us have a car insurance payments on what I like to call autopilot. We find an insurance, we arrange the preferences, we set up monthly payments, we totally forget about it. And, you know, once a month, our car insurance company just takes money from our bank account. If you could save just 10 to 15% of your costs in this small step that will just take you a few hours of research, wouldn't you want to put the extra money into savings or investing accounts? I mean, I bet that you can save a few hundred dollars within a year if you just start looking into that. So let's just say you're able to save 15% on your car, you have maxed out your 401k and IRA accounts, you have also built a pretty significant saving account cushion, well, you have also been cutting down your expenses, you've been saving more than you expected on a monthly basis, 
Well, what happens next? Well, with the current 0.4% saving count, you really should not expect to be financially independent in the next 15 years. The numbers, they just don't add up. Well, the next thing and the last thing on this list is to start investing. And for many people, investing might sound complicated, it might sound terrifying, or maybe too risky. But tell me, how are you going to make passive income? How are you planning on becoming financially stable with all your money, with just simply saving that money and having it in your saving account? Investing money is really a key to creating a wealth in the long term. You have to learn how to minimize your expenses, but also maximize your income. And I know that investing your money into stocks or real estate might sound a bit scary at first, but trust me, the more you learn about it and you get more involved, it really simpler it gets. I can tell you that from my own perspective, I have started my journey back in 2019 with investing just $500, and it really, really felt like it was a lot of money. I watched countless hours of YouTube content, I have also read a lot of books, and listened to many podcasts in order to be more confident and to understand how investing really works. And there are a lot of investing strategies out there. There's growth investing, there's value investing, buy and hold strategy, investing in real estates. There, there's just a lot of it. And I know that investing is completely separate topic that I could discuss in the future episodes if you want me to. That's why here are just some of the essentials, some of the basics of investing for those who are on their path to financial independence. So without going into too much details, your investing strategy largely depends on your risk tolerance. And this is number one thing that you should know about investing. What you need to be aware of is that the riskier the investment is, the higher the expected rate of return will be. And I think a really good example would be Bitcoin, which is a virtual currency that at the time of recording, it's worth $57,700. And of course, it fluctuates every few minutes. And Bitcoin is a very risky investment due to its volatility and of course many other factors where you can potentially gain either hundreds of dollars in a few days or lose it all at once. If you would like to know about your risk tolerance, head out to my Patreon account where I'll post a Charles Schwab investing strategy quiz. And after answering just a few questions, you'll get a better understanding on what you should invest in. Well, besides risk tolerance, there's only one advice I could give to someone who's learning on how to invest would be to diversify. You gotta make sure you do not pull all your eggs into one basket. You gotta make sure you spread your funds over a large number of investments in order to minimize the risk of losing it. So let's just say you're planning on investing into growth stocks and you love Tesla, right? One day you decide to buy 10 shares of Tesla and that's it. If something bad happens to the company for 
whatever reason, the stock price drops, you could potentially lose hundreds of dollars at once. On the other hand, if Tesla stock is only 5% of your entire portfolio assets, a decrease of that stocks will actually have a lower impact into your total portfolio performance, which makes sense. That's why one of the best ways to diversify your portfolio for the long term is to simply buy what is called an exchange traded funds or ETF. Those funds, ETFs, they mimic the performance of an index such as S&P 500. By buying shares of ETF, you're essentially buying the market itself. Did it sound too complicated? Well, in the simple terms, in the very simple terms, ETF, which is exchange of trade funds, is a collection of tens of hundreds or sometimes even thousands of stocks or bonds in a single fund. So instead of buying Tesla or Apple or AT&T stock individually, you are actually buying one single fund that captures them all. Well, when buying ETF, you have, of course, less risk and work with that, but you also have a smaller reward. So it's really up to you. You need to be make sure to understand which strategy is going to be good for you and which one will be short or long term. So if you'd like me to talk more about investing or cover this topic more in depth, please send me a message on Instagram or Patreon because I really think that investing really does not have to be complicated or time consuming. It's a really important part for you in order to grow your money in the long term. Well, if you have made this far over the past two episodes of the fundamentals of financial independence, I really hope you have learned a lot and will soon implement some of the steps on how to achieve financial independence. I'm sure that the amount of information might be overwhelming, and especially if you weren't aware of FI, but what I'm trying to say is take it one step at a time. Don't rush it. Don't jump right into investing if you don't know how to budget or let's just say you have a credit card debt. And also, instead of watching cat videos on Instagram, maybe you should start learning about Roth IRA or passive income on YouTube or listen to some podcasts. It's a great way for you to learn more. And remember, a year from now on, you will wish you had started today. So thanks a lot for listening, guys, and I'll catch you on the next one.